3: And welcome to the Cut to the Race podcast, the show where we bring you incredible interviews, race reviews, and the latest news in F1. I'm your host Ollie, and today with me we have Abby. How are you?
2: I'm very well, thank you. It's quite hot in the UK at the moment, so I'm a bit hot. But apparently, it's the same temperature as it is in Monaco, so I can watch the Monaco Grand Prix for free from home. But I'm good. How are you?
3: If that's how you look at it, the weather means that you're watching it there. <laughs> yeah, interesting take.
2: <laughs> wow, well, it has better coverage because. At the track you only see like five seconds of track time. But it depends
3: if you're in one of those penthouses where you've, you're watching the TV and then you just turn around and watch the cars go past. Did you know that abby has been to the British Grand Prix? <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. Um,
0: no surprise, we have Sam, how are you? Bonsoir, I'm good, thank you. I I'm, mean, I'm, I'm still recovering from Abby's, um what, kind of logic on, <laughs> on weather? <laughs> I'm going to classify it in the kind of James McKenzie school of averages uh, as a kind of just bizarre anomaly to this show.
1: And speaking of James McKenzie, you're feeling a bit better. You're here. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm I'm getting there. Thank you for covering the new show. You did a, a wonderful job.
3: So today we have a competition for you in partnership with Formula Model Shop. Get ready to win a chance to win an incredible George Russell Mercedes bundle courtesy of our partners Formula Model Shop. Now this bundle has a retail value of over 200 pounds. So listen up. It includes a 2022 half scale George Russell helmet plus a display wall case. We have a official F1 George Russell W13 classic edition poster for you. And we also have a George Russell 1-43 scale w 13 model, and an acrylic display case for that as well. Now, if you want to enter this competition, you need to listen to this episode, and during the episode, we will give you a code word. And once you've got that code word, send it to us on email, info at formulaners.com, pop your name and your address on there, Entries close on Friday the 2nd of June at midnight and the winner will be selected at random from the correct entries. Don't forget to visit Formula Model Shop website at www.fms.store and explore their fantastic range of Formula One collectibles. And of course, listen out for the code word. So let's get in to our weekend ratings. So Monaco Grand Prix, we normally know that qualifying is quite exciting and then the race is boring. But uh, I'm not sure that's how it was today. Um, Abby, how would you rate this weekend out of 10?
2: Wow. Including F2 and F3, so all three championships across the whole weekend, I would give
1: it a... Am I about this? to tick heavy lifting off my uh, Formula Nerds? Yeah. Card. yeah.
2: <laughs> um, I'd give it a 7 out of 10, personally. Just F1, 6.5 out of 10.
1: Oh, I thought you'd forgotten the point five there, James. What would you give it? Well, to be fair, there, there wasn't actually too much of a case of heavy lifting. Um, now, using the Mackenzie <laughs> system,
0: <laughs> you can't be like, "Oh, I'm about to take up heavy lifting off my bingo card and say it yourself."
1: Well, of course, I can. cool <laughs> <very> callback.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but right, based right, on your Mackenzie rating said, system, it was better than not
0: well,
1: good. Yeah, and. Why do you compare it, though, to the average Monaco Grand Prix or the average Grand Prix? Because they're just different, was, aren't
0: they? That was going to be my joke. <laughs> You're taking
1: every- I'm just going to say, I'm just going right. to have a sassy That's, moment, clearly. this second <laughs> 10 of the, the last 30 seconds. Uh, yeah, I, I think, as Monaco's go, that was, that was a seven. Yeah, okay. Sam, what do you think? I'm also going to give it a seven. But, Abby, I actually disagree with you.
0: I think that F1 was doing probably more of the heavy lifting this weekend than usual, at least. F2 is, is always good, consistently good. Um, There's a lot of chaos today. But F3, I thought, was a little bit underwhelming, if I'm being honest with
2: you. Yeah, I feel like they were more hesitant. to
3: Oh, yeah. Like,
2: they weren't as aggressive. But, yeah, I can see where you're coming from.
3: I 'm going to give it a seven point five I, I really enjoyed it I thought it was one it was one well it was the best qualifying session of this season and then the rain just brought the race uh, alive I mean without the rain I don't know what I'd be scoring it but it wouldn't be very high but the rain was exactly what the race needed so it is a seven point five from me It is that time of the week where we do the world-famous Formula Nerds Quiz. Now, obviously being in Monaco this week, the quiz is going to be on the Monaco Grand Prix. I've decided to give Abby a week off of writing all of these quizzes for us, so I'm going to do it today. Uh, Are you guys ready for this? Do you know your Monaco Grand Prix history?
1: No. I'd like to think so. I know today's
2: history for it.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah. I, I th- I'm, relying Sorry, re- <laughs> really I'm relying on um, James. That's already an I'm relying on James to get some of these. But um, all right, let, let's go. Are you ready? Question one In what year was the first Monaco Grand Prix held?
1: 1929. 1950. Are we going F1 or... <laughs> <laughs> we're both technically correct. You there. are both you're double correct. Okay.
3: Um, question two. Which driver famously crashed into the barriers during qualifying at the 1996 Monaco Grand Prix, costing him pole
1: position? Six. I mean, obviously that's the, the Panis here. I don't know, I can't remember who crashed. Um, was it... Uh, oh, it could be Villeneuve. Uh, but no, no, no. No, because he... No. Hill or Schumacher surely like, Hill retired yeah. didn't he because he, he could never get to over the finish line in Monaco well uh, his dad took all the luck no. um. alright go on <laughs> <Schumacher>. <laughs> are
3: you going Schumacher? Mm-hmm. What, Michael Schumacher Michael Schumacher you are correct question three nice and easy one who holds the record for the most victories at the Monaco Grand Prix Senna Senna yes, That's correct. Um, Which driver holds the record for the fastest lap in history at the Monaco Grand Prix? I think Lewis, 2019. It was Lewis in 2019 with a one ten point one. Question number five. The Monaco Grand Prix has been won by many different teams. Which team has won the most races? Uh, McLaren. I'll yeah. give you a bonus point if you tell me how many times <laughs> At least <Six>. fourteen. <laughs> uh. Okay, well, it's fifteen So you still return oh, oh, nice. Okay. point Can you name the fifteen, James? <laughs> 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 okay, now the Monaco Grand Prix Has been won by many different Engine manufacturers Which manufacturer has won the race The most times? Be Ferrari or Ford Or Honda I was surprised when I did this Ferrari.
1: Okay. Wrong. you're wrong it was Mercedes with 15 wins wow I know I they had the McLaren 90s era but
3: wow yeah now which triple world champion said that racing at Monaco was like trying to cycle round your living room but added that a win here was worth two of anywhere else EK I think
0: that's correct. I was going to say Max Verstappen, but that's preemptive. <laughs> All I know
2: is that crofty today.
3: Yeah. Uh, let's face it. Um, right. I'll be very impressed. This is one more aimed at James. But Monaco has produced four native Formula One drivers. Can you name them? Oh, I know three.
1: Charles Leclerc. Oh, that's what uh, I knew. <laughs> <laughs> Louis Chiron. Yep. Two. Yep. In the, 1950. Uh, Olivier Beretta, was it the one in the 90s? Yes, yep. Yeah. Oh, I don't know the other one.
0: Um,
2: don't ask me. I don't have
0: a question. Andre oh Don't even know that it's, name. It's, it's not Arsene Leclerc.
3: <laughs> no. Um, question number nine What does a driver need to do to win the Triple Crown?
2: Win the Monaco Grand Prix, the Indy 500 mm-hmm. and 24 Hour Le month.
1: Correct. Fun fact. Unless... <laughs> Go on, <laughs> you, you do it. The
0: F1 world title can also count towards it. And that's what
1: Graham to... Hill considered yes. it should be. That was my fun fact.
0: And if Graham Hill, who
3: won Monaco, what, five times? Um, says that, then you should probably listen. Well, thanks for ruling my last question. Who's the only driver to have won the Triple Crown? <laughs> <laughs> Artie Claire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Correct. Soon come, soon come. So that was Graham Hill. So, well done. You got nine out of ten. Very impressed. And that is the end of the Monaco edition of the Formula Nerds quiz. So let's talk a bit about what happened on track. Abby, would you like to give us a, a, a rundown of what happened during the practice sessions? Anything to call cool out? And then obviously the very exciting qualifying.
2: Well, one of the things was Mercedes upgrades, obviously they were supposed to bring them at Imola, but with the race being canceled, this weekend was the first time that we were seeing them in FP1, Verstappen didn't go fastest, actually, he was complaining of the car having a lot of issues. We saw a red flag with Albon crashing as well. But thankfully, the team managed to get his car fixed quite quickly. In FP2, Verstappen's issues from FP1 seem to be resolved. And there was another red flag because Science clipped the wall and then found the barrier at the swimming pool. And then in FP3, there was also another red flag because Hamilton, which is quite unlike him, found the barrier as well. And Mercedes weren't very happy because his car was lifted up by the crane and everyone could see the floor of it.
3: Everyone could see under its skirt, basically, couldn't they? It was um, it was a funny moment. And how high did they p- take that car? It was uh, it was
1: unnecessarily high, wasn't it? My favourite image of the entire weekend was the the one of the Mercedes just floating outside someone's flat window. Like, can you imagine if you, like if you're not an F1 fan? I, get, I know everyone who lives in Monaco can't really avoid it, but and you just see a Mercedes randomly floating past your window with no contact. Uh, that's amazing it was all over the place as well it it was it
3: was bizarre not something you see very often but yeah that revealed the whole floor
1: the bigger thing there being the the red Bull floor being revealed obviously Mercedes just had the upgrade yeah and that's not ideal but let's be honest the other nine teams want to see what's under that red Bull floor and got a very good view of it thanks to Checo for the second year running I think he did it the same last year didn't he yeah, a sign of things to come for our friend Sergio, mm. I think.
2: Yes. Well, in qualifying in Q1, a lot of drivers did go fast. Even Joe Guan Yu went P1 at one point. But the red flag came out again because, as you said, Sam, Perez, he made contact with the barrier at the first corner and the left-hand side of his car looked to be completely destroyed and he was out of qualifying, which was a shame considering he won last year. But that was not the case this year. And then after the restart, there was a fight for pole. Well, obviously it wasn't actually pole, but there was quite a fight. At one point, Hamilton looked to be at risk, which was nerve-wracking for all the Mercedes fans. Verstappen was clearly showing his pace, as was Alonso. Sonoda went to the top of the timesheets as well at one point. But it was Sargent, Magnussen, Hulkenberg, Show, and Perez out in Q1.
3: I mean that's poor show from Perez, isn't it, Sam? I'm not sure what you're about to say, but I'm sure it's along the same lines.
0: Yeah, it looked like he just got distracted by the Alpine coming out of the pits. I think it was Gasly, and just went in way too hot. It looked like a pure driver error. Um, so yeah, not not great. But with only you know, as 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 the flag was starting to wave, I think, or maybe just before, you had Hamilton, Sainz and Perez all in the bottom five and i was kind of sat there thinking has that happened in the hybrid area that we've lost one of those three cars or those three cars one of each in the first quality session i don't know that it has so seems unlikely uh, yeah could have been really fun for the rest of the field
2: in Q2, Hamilton was at risk again, and Tsunoda was also at risk. He ended up locking up and having a flat spot on his tyre, but the Alpines definitely showed pace. And it was Piastri, De Vries, Albonstro and Bottas out in Q2.
0: I think we need to talk about Oscar Piastri's quality pace because he is able to go toe-to-toe with Lando, and we've seen it a few times this season. I think that is really impressive, especially around somewhere like Monaco where, you know, I think being in an F1 car is probably a very different proposition from being in an F2 or an F3 car. So, uh, I th- yeah, I'm increasingly impressed by how close he is running. Uh, his, you know, considerably more experienced and uh, well-regarded teammate.
1: I agree. Uh, I think the only thing I'd say, because a lot of people saying that, like uh, the fact there was, what, thousand, twelve or something between them. Uh, Lando probably would have improved if he hadn't clipped the barrier. Um, so we we can't say definitively outright pace but he definitely I would say the thing that most impressed me was he looked miles off through practice he was like eight tenths off for a large chunk of Friday and then he just came right back up to him and that's a sign of a a great driver more often than not oh completely but also
0: you've got to finish the lap cleanly that's part of it well yeah of course but we're talking (laughs) about outright pace aren't we (laughs) but Lando was clearly beyond the limit yeah well all right very uh, I sassy mean, <laughs> today
3: point <laughs> counterpoint yeah point counterpoint but um i mean they did continue to sort of uh, match each other throughout the weekend and into the race but it was one of the best q3 sessions i've seen in as long as i can remember i think um abby would you like to take us through the just the roller coaster that it was
2: I was going to say, I think the main thing for Q3 is the battle for pole between Verstappen and Alonso because one minute Verstappen would go fastest and get provisional pole, then Alonso would go fastest and get provisional pole, and they kept changing it up. And I genuinely thought that Alonso would get it, but then at the very last minute, Verstappen took pole with a one eleven point five.
3: And it was only this, the third sector where he was up, wasn't it? I mean yeah. this was this was a hell of a lap where he hit the wall twice during <laughs> during that lap. I mean it was uh, and uh, people have been saying it all weekend about. Max Verstappen's lap, but he's so in his comfort zone everywhere else that he doesn't need to take risks. And, you know, if he doesn't qualify on pole, he's still going to win it. So it doesn't matter. But obviously in Monaco, uh, being on pole is everything. And Max Verstappen clearly threw absolutely everything at that. And it was so exciting to watch. I really enjoyed it. And it showed, I know Sam's about to counterpoint me here, but it showed his class uh, when he needs it. I'm
0: not about to counterpoint you. I don't think it is a lap for the ages because of the first two sectors, but you you get him to try and rerun that third sector a hundred times over, I don't think he can go faster. If you watch the onboard, how much speed he takes through Raskas is just sublime. And for me, that is a mark of a truly fantastic driver to have a fairly scruffy, by his standards, first couple of sectors, also, after the, the final corner, he actually hits the pit straight. <laughs> actually, the wall on the pit straight, or curve, That was bizarre. Is in Monaco. That yeah, was. I was just like, did he just like, was just so, you know, kind of spent from, you know, concentration that he just kind of had a total lapse. But I think that's the mark that he was able to, despite that scruffy, you know, kind of two-thirds of the lap, just pull it out of the bag, not let it affect him. And bear in mind, Max Verstappen is someone who wasn't always a particularly good qualifier. Or when he was quick, he was, as we kind of mentioned earlier, in terms of being beyond the boundaries, he was beyond the boundaries. We saw him crash him in Monaco a few years back. And it was really that point where people were going, like, he's obviously got the talent, but he needs to rein it in. So the fact that he has then worked on that and added it to to, the, to his Arsenal, to the point that, that it's a strength of his, I think is really, really impressive, and just testament to how much of a complete driver he is now.
1: It was almost the F one equivalent of um, what was the the NASCAR driver you picked as your driver of the day using the the barrier around the outside. Ross Chastain. Ross Chastain. That was it. Yeah, it was like the F one equivalent of that. That last sector so just threw it into every wall, even the one on a in a straight line. I, I would say, yeah, I, I think I'll counterpoint a little bit in that. I think the Red Bull was just very, very strong as well in Sector 3. I noticed quite often he was behind and then suddenly would jump up. It wasn't just that last lap. I think in Q2 and maybe the first runs even of Q3 as well, he he did that. So I think Red Bull were clearly, yeah. Oh, completely. But I, I think in the first two sectors, he was
0: down on his previous yeah, yeah. time. So, yeah, I mean, he, what, he found, what, three tenths or so? Yeah, best part of, it. But it's nuts. Absolutely nuts, given this, what, essentially three corners.
1: Yeah, that was the only thing. Like, I just thought no one mentioned that the fact that he was making kind of two tenths up, he found that extra bit, which is what he clearly needed, and is everything around Monaco. But, yeah, it just seemed like no one had noticed for the rest of qualifying that he kept making up loads of time there. Yeah, I mean, people,
0: I guess, have tendencies to look at the the final lap time, I guess. But, um, yeah, for me, I think... Yeah, it wasn't a a lap for the ages, but it was a sector for the ages. But we can't... Obviously, we'll we'll get into Alonso. Um, But I actually also feel that Esteban Ocon was in that poll conversation. He just pulled it out in the last couple of the quality sessions just, I don't know. Maybe I wasn't paying attention over the weekend, but he seemed to be kind of not anywhere near there, especially in an Alpine, which is you know quite the way to combat. Obviously, uh, quite a difficult time for the team.
2: Well, with that, Verstappen was on pole, well. Alonso lined up on the front row as well, Leclerc was third and Ocon was fourth, Science was in fifth, Hamilton was in sixth, Gasly seventh, Russell eighth, Sonoda ninth and Norris in tenth. But that then soon changed after Leclerc received a three-place grid penalty for impeding Norris during qualifying and it bumped Ocon up to third.
3: Yeah, what did you guys think of that penalty? I mean, I thought it was right. Um, apparently, there's a driver's agreement. Jensen Button was saying that you you don't drive slowly through the tunnel, but it was dangerous. I thought,
1: I thought, I thought it was a fitting penalty. If I'm honest, oh, it was a slam dunk. Uh, I think that Charles thought that the laps were done. That's the only reason I can imagine he would be slowing down in the tunnel. And then it's just another brain fart from Javi, who's just not paying attention seemingly. And that's, it's on him. He has to be telling Charles what's going on.
0: Oh yeah, completely. Like they were talking about other drivers lap times. That's the conversation they're on when he should have been, yeah, you got Lando coming, you know, however many seconds, blah, 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 as they usually do. But, Leclerc knew it was a penalty as well. If you watch the onboard, after he gets through the, the chicane, you can see him going like this. He takes his hands off his steering wheel. And then, yeah, so he knew. Uh, also, did anyone see his tweet after the penalty was announced? Yeah. What did you say? I missed that. <laughs> it was that little clip of that kid crying, <laughs> saying, I'm fine, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> It was. Uh, I, th- I thought he took it well, but he, yeah, he, he knew it was a slam dunk But again, James, you're absolutely right. It wasn't really his fault. Yes, he was dawdling on the racing line, but he needs to be told that information.
3: Mm, and everyone was saying, "Oh, it's just Leclerc's luck around Monaco." That's not luck. That's just not doing things properly. And again, I'm not saying it's Leclerc, but you make your own luck. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so it is that time of the week where we do the national anthem review. As far as I know, we're still the only podcast that reviews the National Anthem, but why not? Now, this was the uh, Monaco National Anthem, of course. Now, I I have just noticed that it's identical to last year's, so this may be wrapped up quite quickly. But, Abby, how would you rate the Monaco National Anthem?
2: I quite liked it, to be honest. There was no, like, out-of-tune singing. It was just the band quite peaceful quite respectful so I would give it a
3: 7 out of 10 I mean I think the reason there was no out of tune singing is because there was no singing Um, (laughs) which uh, yeah Uh, Sam I mean can't win the lottery if you don't buy a ticket
0: Uh, So, yeah, disappointed there was no out-of-tune singing. Disappointed there were no children. Uh, Please don't snippet that and use that out of context. Um, But, yeah, I think, to be honest with you, I thought it was very traditional, very down the line, very what I'd expect from a very classic race. Um, So not much to really take the mick out of, not much to really kind of say about it. It was fine. It was, as I expected, it was professional. It was, you know, there was no amateur players of instruments what's the word I, musicians <laughs> yeah so i'm just distracted by the lack of no bad singing uh, or fun azerbaijani outfits um yeah i mean it was it was fine i'm gonna give it a, yeah you know
3: what five yeah on the mckinsey scale <laughs> <laughs> it was neither good nor bad therefore it is default uh, it, it just five.
1: was yeah uh, james we're using said scale. I'd, I'd go a little high. I think it was a six. Like It was very nicely performed, like you said. And I like the, the classical, yeah, the, the very kind of traditional vibe for a traditional Grand Prix. I think it works nicely. They can definitely play it better than they can play the other national anthems. I'll say that because they were a bit dodgy, the uh, Dutch and Austrian ones, not to give a spoiler for who won the race. Did, did, uh,
0: did they actually play? Did, did the band play the national oh, yeah, anthem they at did. the end of the race They did,
1: yeah. they It sounded like it, which yeah, is what were. was particularly weird about the fact that it just randomly started when someone was still trying to hand out a trophy, but we'll come on to that later.
3: <laughs> I just assume they just stuck a CD in. <laughs> well, that's
0: <laughs> what they play, normally do. They play over the PA.
3: <laughs> They've got their playlist already sorted. It's, it's the same national anthem each week, isn't it? Same too.
1: Oh, I've just done my uh, traditional, now, lyrics check uh, it does it does appear to have them it seems a little bit confusing but i thought it was interesting it says as long as the sun shines nothing will change which is kind of fitting for what happened in this race (laughs) that is good the poetic symmetry even though the sun didn't shine nothing
3: still changed anyway did it so um (laughs) well kind of (laughs) (laughs) all right i'm gonna give it yeah a six i thought it was good um i don't think there's much more to cover on this today is there that
1: was the um, national anthem review hopefully the spanish one will be a little bit more exciting this show is sponsored by Formula Model Shop, official Formula 1 gift shop online and in-store. Official Formula 1 team wear, artwork, models, gifts and now slot cards available online at www.fms.store or you can pick up in-store at their new larger retail store in Brockley, Northamptonshire and experience their in-store F1 simulator. There's also a new large-scale Scalextric Silverstone track, maybe even set fast laps on both to win monthly prizes. FMS, more than just an F1 store, collect it, play it, wear it.
3: So let's get into the race review. As we mentioned, Charles Leclerc was um, penalised for impeding Norris in qualifying, so that dropped him from third to sixth. Um, Now, we're all quite excited about the start of the race. Abby, do you want to run us through Max versus
2: Alonso? Well, I'd say I was excited. I was more nervous and scared because it's Monaco and it's F1 and The opening lap can cause chaos. But between Verstappen and Alonso, I was expecting contact, but they kept it clean. Verstappen kept the lead. I think only Hulk and Stroll were the only drivers to actually swap positions or move up and down the order on the opening lap. Verstappen kept it clean.
1: I think the only, I think the excitement for me went as soon as I saw Fernando was on hard tyres. Like, he was never going to beat Max to the first corner.
0: Well, I was just going to say, and I'm sure we'll get on to Stroll and Holkenberg later, uh, on in the lap, uh, because, yeah, what
3: the <laughs> what the hell's that? <laughs> well, we might as well get to it now, Sam. What was your take on it?
0: I mean... <laughs> So first of all, Holcomb was like a wrecking ball. <laughs> like it was a just bit esque wasn't it? Yeah, poor Logan Sergeant. Like it shook yeah. the poor boy up. Who it wasn't the same for the rest of the race. <laughs> um, but it's just like, yeah, he just totally misjudged the the breaking point, the situation, whatever. Uh, and then yeah, then Stroll kind of decided to kind of wedge himself between between Sergeant and the Wall as they were going down to the Fairmont hairpin. Uh yeah it was just it was a bizarre but my favourite bit was Alexander Albon coming out of the hairpin just like did he just lose his throttle did he just forget what
3: he was doing he just so slow I, th- oh, I thought he guy. had engine issues or
1: something it was like hello
2: it all <laughs> <came> still
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah it but, was just like and then it was one of those domino effects like we, you get in an actual traffic jam where everyone's like oh is he going and then just kind of no one moved and they all bumped into each other really awkwardly those yeah. f <laughs> cars look so so clumsy around that corner now that they're like <laughs> boats uh, as we all know but it's five and ridiculous.
0: a half meters long it's mad yeah. how long those cars are yeah it, it just honestly gen- genuinely looked like he forgot what he was doing there and then stroll obviously then tries to go up the inside which that's a disappearing space and then he gets tagged by albon and it just they looked ridiculous it's the outside wasn't it stroll yeah. It was on the outside of the hairpin, and then that obviously becomes. Oh the right, the next corner, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Going into, um, oh, can't remember the name of the corner. It's the lower bit of the upper bit. Um, <laughs> oh <laughs> the lower bit of the
2: upper
0: bit. Oh, you the know what I mean. A. Yeah, yeah. Basically, is it is it lower Massenet? Is that Massenet? Is that masonet? I don't know. Anyway, um, I'll, I'll look in a minute and. Yeah, it, just, it was just clumsy. They all look ridiculous. Uh, they're all like basically come to a standstill. Um, so yeah, not the not the best advert for, a, for Formula One.
3: I'm pretty sure Perez did actually stop and because he was just watching what was going on there and I think he just stopped and went, right, sort it out, lads, and then we'll continue. Um, but um, yeah, then we had some um, some stops. Perez came straight in, didn't he? Obviously, Hulkenberg uh, needed to come in. Sidebar, if I may, it's lower
0: Mirabeau.
1: It's Mirabeau actually. Yes,
0: uh, actually. Uh, as opposed to Mirabeau. <laughs> because uh, Massinet is obviously turn three, which everyone who watched F2 will be very, very aware of after today.
3: So, yeah, that happened. Uh, obviously, Perez went into uh, the pitch, changed his tyres. Um, I, I, I want to talk about the Carlos Sainz attempt at an overtake, which just seemed... Overly ambitious. I mean, anyone in the world was going to see what was going to happen there. And then um, he, he, he was angry with Ocon. He was he was saying that Ocon was moved into him. No, Ocon was turning the corner. Uh, that's yeah. what, what you do, right? If anything, Ocon moved the other way from him.
0: Yeah, Ocon get out was the going way. left. <laughs> just, yeah. I mean, but, but the science and Perez had very similar attitudes throughout the race. I found it was just. I'm gonna make a mistake recklessly and then I'm gonna just complain about the other guy who's quite simply minding his own business. Uh yeah, a sign of things to come for uh, for Perez, who had, let's face it, a bit of a shocker. Um yeah, honestly, it was just if if Ocon had received had got damaged for that, I think that probably would have been a penalty for
3: for science. Because it was just he just drove into it. Yeah, he, just, he, he was just going too fast at him. Um, and then obviously pits of the front wing were calling off. Is he going to pit? Is he not going to pit? I think this is the start of our Ferrari conversation for the day of what the hell were they doing? Are they back to the times of last year? Did they ever leave? Well, yeah, I, I, it seemed like the past few races were okay, but they're certainly back to just having shambles of a race.
2: Yeah, they were a bit up and down. their strategy and their success today with the science thing i feel like i remember ferrari wanting him to come in and then getting the front wing out and he was like no i'm gonna stay out and then i guess that they did prove to the fia that the integrity of the car was okay because he did just get a black and white flag for it which was a warning and he managed to continue despite losing downforce and that but it wasn't ferrari's finest
1: i i wondered at the time if it was Gamesmanship, smoke and mirrors, kind of stuff. Like, oh, we're going to pit. Oh, no, wait. Let me just like see how the car is. And they're just hoping that 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 bit of wing is going to fall off, and then it's a a moot point. I, I think that's probably how most teams will approach that situation now. As much as we'd like to think they're going to go safety first, they're not. They're going to see if it falls off, and then they can carry on and not have to pit, especially around Monaco.
0: I like to think that when something like that happens the you know, the team involved are like, right, let's handle the situation. The other eight teams are just like a bit, you know, fairly nonplussed. And then there's Has going apoplectic at the yeah. like, one end of the pit lane, just like, What? <laughs> because I mean, yeah, like I don't know. I, I assumed as soon as I saw that, I was like, well, he's going to have to come in. He's going to be made to come in. But this is Monaco and you don't need your own plate because if you can just hang on to it, uh, yeah. if you can just hang on to it, Carlos Sainz, um, you should be fine.
3: Now, I think um, Max Verstappen was already approaching the back markers when the race suddenly became alive. Um, now, I was... Uh, I'm confused by this, guys, because I was just on my Apple weather app looking at Monaco, right? And it said it was going to rain. Now, that should be fairly basic compared to what the radars that the teams have, right? Surely they would knew it was coming. I know, Abby, was it raining in Essex? (laughs) 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 No. Well, there you
0: go, then. Case (laughs) in point
3: next next point but yeah so it didn't seem that the teams knew it was going to rain and then when it did rain I mean this was it was exciting stuff right the cars were going all over the place Max Verstappen was hitting the wall everyone was hitting the wall um spinning everywhere where, where what should we pick apart from this guys because there was just so much chaos where where should we go with it
0: just how stubborn the teams are it's raining your driver is struggling and they're like nope it will
3: pass no you're fine no, in fact, it's raining. You're struggling, but let's put on some
1: new, fresh slick tyres.
0: Yes, <laughs> oh, come on!
1: <laughs> it's it's one of those things that's kind of wonderful to see with all the technology in F1 and all the you know the, the minutia that they deal with and how fine tuned everything is. The weather will always be an unknown. It is unpredictable, particularly in Monaco, where you know you've you've got this little kind of microclimate, as they call it, on that side of the mountains. And they just can't deal with it. And it breaks all the... They can't use their systems. They can't... And it should go back to the the old standard of just put your hand outside the, the pit wall and see if it's raining or not. Obviously, it's, yeah, the other side of the circuit made it particularly complicated, I think. But uh, you're talking about coming on, uh, coming in for slicks instead of intermediates. And I assume that is Alonso, the reference there. Now, he said after, and I think a couple of the pundits said, oh, no, it wouldn't have mattered anyway. Even Ant... Uh, anthony davidson on in the skypad said oh it wouldn't have mattered i'm pretty sure it would yeah i remember seeing that he after pitting for the fresh set of uh mediums i think he stuck on was 24 seconds was the last like timing interval between him and max uh before they changed it all to who was on what tires and you couldn't see anymore that's a pit stop if he was on inters then he'd, he'd been in the lead yeah, and also, yeah, because he would have been making time as opposed to
0: a net exactly zero. Yeah, yeah. um, uh, t- I have two takeaways from your your comment there, James. The first one is that I'm for some reason, and I don't know why, you know how you have these weird thoughts sometimes. I was really disappointed that you didn't say microclimate in a French accent. Um, <laughs> and secondly, and I'd probably one for another day. I think this opens potentially a really interesting conversation about whether or not we need to reduce the amount of technology in F1 or information in F1. Like, do you think there's a level of we need to go back to the days of, yeah, you stick your hand out, you see if it's raining? Because surely that then adds, you know, a, a new flavour to, to the unpredictability.
1: I guess that's kind of what they're aiming for with the reduction of practice sessions. Oh, like, well, yeah. In an organic way, because that's very hard to police if you start saying you can't use this technology, they'll all just try and do it in Well, they should just use an iPhone, they yeah. get a more bloody accurate result, wouldn't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Unless it, unless unless it's an iPhone in Essex.
3: Well, all that. But <laughs> I mean, even Christian Horner, he confirmed that they have spotters, rain spotters, all the way around the track. There are people that Rebel pay to to call up and say, Hello, it's just started raining here. Is is that within the cost cap? I'm intrigued. It depends if they I feed like them or not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but everyone was hitting the barriers. So Hamilton hit the barriers, Verstappen hit the barriers, and then there were the ice skating Ferraris, which I found particularly amusing as well. I mean, Carlos Sainz just he was just floating,
1: wasn't he? When did Hamilton hit the barriers? I think I missed that. Yeah. I thought he was
2: like one of the only drivers that didn't. Hit a barrel. I'm
1: pretty sure he oh, did. You've, you've rocked Abby
0: to her core.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Lewis. He, he was about to get over no, the Lewis. <laughs> um but yes, it, it was um Russell then got a five second penalty for
1: an unsafe release. Um I mean it was that just took chaos. so long. For it did didn't the Mertily show. Because I saw it on the timing sheets. I saw him go behind Ocon and then behind Lewis and be six seconds down. I was like, oh, I wonder what happened there and it was genuinely like 5 to 10 even laps until we saw that to the point where Crofty was like Russell's off and bless him he got a bit confused <laughs> i think in general he was like seeing replays and thinking that they were happening live yeah there were um, quite a few of those weren't there today <laughs> but that's it that was what it's monaco and I mean, on a, a bigger point you know people moan so much about monaco and it being a procession and i think this was it this is why you keep monaco on the calendar that 10 laps, 50 lap 50 to lap 60, could be the best 10 minutes we have all season. That bit of rain yeah. in Monaco, and also the qualifying session will probably be the best qualifying session of the year. Mm-hmm. It's worth it alone for that. Even if you get five rubbish Monaco Grand Prix, I think that the one great one is, is worth it.
3: Mm. So Alonso pitted, he put his slicks on, then the le- next lap he put his... Um, intermediate on but it was clear Verstappen was just sailing into the distance. I mean, he is a rain master. We've seen it so many times, and in Brazil especially, you know, we, we we saw a demonstration of Max in the wet, but we saw another one today how he how he held it together and got where was he nineteen seconds away from Alonso. Uh, um,
1: it, it was just magical. Well, he kind of maintained the gap though. Right, like, that was the gap he had. It went from seventeen to nineteen, I think, after they were both out on the same tires. So. Oh, no, don't get me wrong. I'm not like belittling Max's job because I think the most impressive thing he did was, yeah, keep it mostly out of the wall apart from, yeah, down at Portier, where he, again, just did his Chastain impression, uh, but not intentional this time. And on what, 50 lap old mediums, uh, which must have been like driving on an oil slick. That's the most impressive bit. I thought like once it was actually just everyone on inters, he was kind of matching Alonso's pace. and But he probably didn't. Need to especially push it, did he?
3: Now there, there was there was some overtaking today, which was good. Now one of them was brought on by someone who's turning out turning out to be one of my favourite personalities in F one, Yuki Tsunoda. This brake sucks. Are you trying to crash me or what? I mean, it was hilarious. <laughs> uh, did you enjoy that,
1: James? He was just it was just great entertainment, wasn't it? He's entertaining. I <laughs> I can never like quite make up my mind about how I feel about Yuki and his radio calls. I feel so, like you know F one drivers always. Like F1 drivers always run hot, but Yuki is a different level, and I, I get frustrated at first uh, sometimes. Like his first season, it was like, yeah, I no, you know he's young, kind of coming in, and he's he got a reputation for that. But I feel sorry for his engineer.
0: Yeah, but so, so a, a point someone made to me, um, who used to work with him, was that he's learned English in a racing paddock. Yeah, true, and that is what those environments are often like and so that is his vocabulary that he has to draw on is and yeah obviously his demeanor is clearly quite fiery but i think tone is tone yeah 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 yeah. but i think to extend your point james you need to have that in you to reach the elite levels of sport on some level alex albon wonderful guy at the car by by all accounts but you know that when he puts the, the lid down he's gonna park it in a minute no he is you know he's he's tough um so yeah i think i feel very differently about yuki snota than i did this time last year i think at this point Alpha tauri actually doing him a disservice they've seemed a bit of a mess of late and i don't think they are providing him a car or an environment in which he can get the best out of himself and i think he is to franz Tod- franz todd's uh, credit, that whole three-year theory is proving to have some weight to it. He is looking a reformed driver this season. And I think taking Gasly out of the equation, I think some always has helped him because he had to step up. It's, it's been a sink
1: or swim moment for him. And he's so far, as far as I'm concerned, swimming. Yeah, he was very unlucky not to, to get into the points. I think he deserved it, at least a point today. Um, just to go quickly back to, you know, the, the talk of drivers and running hot. The polar opposite of that was George Russell. and I particularly enjoyed today his his radio being like, League's backing me up, not sure why. It just sounded like he was <laughs> playing Cluedo. Like,
3: and sure also, his, his repeated requests worded differently to pass Hamilton, I found, particularly. Yeah, yeah. Right, I'll try I'll try asking, okay, if I go in front, then he can just make sure that, you know, the team does the best. No, George, no. Okay. Um, well, if I go in front, uh, it was just so funny. It was, it was so childish in a way, wasn't it? One thing that I haven't touched on, because I'm so confused about what happened at the time, but... P- uh, Perez hitting Russell when they'd all gone off the track. Right. Uh, and this was at the, the the high point of all the chaos. I think there were three or four cars off, weren't there? Sam, can you help me unravel this one? Kind of.
0: I can't remember who, was, was it a Hass that was in front stroll. of Russell? I can see stroll, stroll in the background
3: of the picture, but I think there was yes. someone in front of him as well. Stroll and Perez were like two peas in
0: a pod. Say, just like ping balling, you know, up and down the circuit. Um, yeah yeah so the stroll goes off George goes off behind him George then backs it up pulls it back onto the circuit and hits just drives straight into well Paris drove into him but Paris drove, drove into him circuit. yeah but so mm. penalty for for george uh which i think is is, is fair it, you you're meant to wait until there's no
1: traffic for you to yeah, go and he, um, he even he was like yeah fair enough like as soon as he yeah. found out about it oh, yeah, which Mr, you know Mr. we've Carl. seen george not take culpability a few times with penalties before
0: <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> famously in
0: fact yeah I mean, in fairness, I don't think he could have reached Perez's helmet from his cockpit <laughs> in the heat of a, the, of a race. But yeah, it, it, so that was the, the George thing. But Perez was just so, so scrappy. It was all over the place. It was just mistake after mistake. The thing with the has, uh at the hairpin, where mm. he kind of just ends up wedged underneath it momentarily,
1: yeah. uh, and then yeah, Nico, like who clearly I think ran wide and then had to slow down to actually not hit the the you know the, the corner that Lando hit during qualifying, uh, and yeah, Sergio just went in the back of him and then was like he brake tested me. He didn't brake test you. He was trying to make it <laughs> around the corner.
0: <laughs> or when they um, when Verstappen was la- la- coming through to lap, I think it was, I assume it was Perez and Stroll, and Stroll kind of moves over, and then Perez is like, oh, yeah, it's just drove me off the circuit. It's like, we didn't, yeah. there was loads of space. Like, what are you all about? Like, just calm down, focus on your race. You know, there's clearly a reason why you're running around the back being lapped by your teammate this weekend.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you're not having a good time with it. And Championship <laughs> Stroll turned into done, him. Game, but, set, match. yeah. Yeah, it is. Because, again, we just trying to t- take a corner.
0: Yeah, it, <laughs> there were a few things this weekend where I just kind of thought, yeah, that's really not how I see it. And I'm not sure that's how you're going to see it when you actually watch it back on, on replay. It, yeah,
3: it was a bizarre weekend for Sergio Perez. Yeah. And one thing I've got to say I, I noticed more than ever is the integrity, the structural integrity of these F1 cars today. It's like they've been reinforced with steel. Um, I don't know they were hitting, the, hitting each other, hitting the walls and just carrying on. It's not like we normally see where they just like, just literally touch each other and then half the car falls apart. Today it was like smashing the walls, smashing into each other. George Russell, all four wheels were off the car when Perez hit him, right That's how hard he hit him and they just carried on as if nothing had happened. I quite enjoy these um, more durable F1 cars. It's, there's definitely something different for this race. Well, I was
0: thinking the same thing about the tyres. Like you're getting from wings, like slicing into tyres, and the tyres are just yeah. like, yeah, is that like the best you got? And there's so many times over the weekend, in all three kind of categories, you'd have people being like, oh, I've been hit. I think I've got a puncher. And then they were fine. So. Yeah, fair play to Pirati. They're really upping upping their game with, uh, with the tender coming up for, for the next high supplier. <laughs> I mean,
3: Stroll was shouting, I've got a puncher, I've got a puncher. And he should have had, right, from what we saw, but he didn't <laughs> yeah. even have a puncher. <laughs> yeah, then no, they're like, no, it's just damage, you know, from your whatever you're doing. Um, so Stroll did retire in the end I think I think finally all of that uh, impact did take its toll um, But uh, I don't think Sky Sports were very sure if he had retired or not I mean it clearly said out on the um, on the graphics And Crofty went, well he's six laps down And then we just see a, a picture of him walking next to the track <laughs> Walking, yeah
2: Yeah, because he knocked his front wing, didn't he? And then it got caught under the car And then he just like purposely drove into the next wall To then knock it off and clear it
0: Nah, surely that's a problem he had there. It was just, he here's the wall. I, yeah, to be honest, I think it's more, not necessarily a problem problem, but I think he had, the wing was so wedged under his car that he couldn't then, he was just unable to do I anything. It.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That and was, yeah, yeah, I mean, I saw someone saying he, the car was pushing him along. I don't, maybe in the, the first hairpin, but the second one, yeah, he was just driving on a front wing, so the car, the tyres didn't turn. So obviously that was what was going to happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a few times Logan Sergeant at the moment in hairpin as well. We're just kind of—it's like oh, you've got that all wrong, mate. Like that's you meant to go that way, not, not into the wall. Uh, I mean, I make it sound so so flippantly easy, right? Uh, maybe just stop doing that because, as we've already commented, getting a five and a half meter car around that hairpin looks like a ridiculous challenge. Uh, but yeah, it was
3: entertaining from that perspective. It was kind of who's going to hit the wall next. It really was. And here is your competition code word, Silver Arrow. So Max Verstappen pulled away again. Just We we all knew the inevitable here, really, unless something went dramatically wrong. Max Verstappen was going to win this race. Um, But McLaren had impressive pace um, moving up the order. I think it's worth talking about them today. Maybe that livery helped with with their performance. I mean, they were both uh, very... Very good, and they sort of just followed each other along, didn't they? Well, what did you guys think of McLaren today? I don't think that's how liveries work, but um, I will. Agree they are. They're like they like go faster stripes, <laughs> Sam. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, I, I was pretty, yeah, pretty impressed by how consistent they were throughout the race. They seemed to be very, very stable. They kept their noses clean. They kept themselves out of trouble, and when there was chaos going around. Going on around them, they just kept it clean and yeah, took home two points position. So, fair play to them. You can't really kind of yeah say anything negative about their performance today.
2: I was going to say, considering how the beginning of the season has gone, they have had some unlucky races. But I feel like now they're coming into their own, and Piastri does have the pace to match Norris at some points. But like you said, Sam, they did keep their noses clean. And I feel like they kind of had a almost a lonely race. They did some overtakes, they did some battles, but there wasn't much shown of them on the broadcast because they weren't involved in any of the chaos like Stroll or the Hasses. Um, but no, it was good to see. And a double points finish as well is good, especially since it's the 60th anniversary for them.
1: I saw Lando in his interview after the race say that he pitted two laps before the change to wets, So he actually could have ended up Even higher. He could have ended up maybe fighting, being ahead of the Ferraris. Well, they need to use their
3: iPhones there, don't they, as well? (laughs) Um, So uh, it was Max Verstappen who won the race, uh, winning uh, over Fernando Alonso. But... Esteban Ocon, P3. Now we haven't really touched him much other than the fact that he got rear-ended and survived. Um Come on, But what a performance. You've got to give it to him, right? When when he was being pressured by everyone, he was being you know, uh, Hamilton was really pressuring him at one point and he just maintained um maintained, maintained his his focus and delivered what was an impressive result when <laughs> when he needed it. Let's be honest after all of his uh, boss's comments recently. But well, well, anything else to add on on Ocon? I feel like he's the unsung hero here. I think he's the unsung hero generally. I think it's
0: we're often very quick to forget that Esteban Ocon is very good at driving a racing car. He's quick. And he's fairly consistent as well. He's... the Carlos Sainz, at the moment... Carlos Sainz has lost his mm. title as Carlos Sainz because he's <laughs> underperforming what we now know he can do. So, yeah... Sustained pressure throughout for a lot of the race for Esteban for Ocon and yeah he kept it pointing in the right direction was seemingly kind of totally unaffected by it and yeah knew what he had to do and executed
1: it perfectly totally deserved podium yeah uh, yeah he's what so that makes him the the smooth operator is that <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't be happy till you say micro um,
3: my, my Maybe James. later. <laughs> that should be the code word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I oh, think no, I, was gonna... I was about
0: to try it, but it would have come across as like you know you know Nigel Lawson said microwave.
3: <laughs> I mean, a while like that. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, no, I think Esteban did an amazing job, and I mean, yeah, like you're saying, people forget how fast he is. He he was. pretty much level with Fernando for their time together obviously you know people say Fernando's first year he was just coming back in but he's shown that he's not lost anything and I think Esteban edged the qualifying head-to-head maybe I can't remember uh, last year but it was definitely close and he was there or thereabouts obviously Fernando had lots of bad luck but point being he was a lot closer to Fernando than Lance Stroll is And I think people forget that. And he also held his own against Daniel for the most part when he was in a a team that he liked. Esteban O'Connor is a good driver. And yeah, uh, I hope people take a bit more notice of it.
0: Well, it's not so long ago that he was the heir apparent to the Mercedes second driver's seat. So I I think it's kind of unfair that he's then been forgotten from that conversation. And to be honest, who, who
3: says that he has been? You never know. Well, indeed. But um, I'm just looking at the results and uh, Max Verstappen lapped everyone up until eight, which was Carlos Sainz. So he didn't lap him, but he lapped Yuki Tsunoda, Perez, Holkenberg, and Sargent twice. Now, I wouldn't want to be Perez watching my teammate go past me twice. its It just adds to what we've been saying about Perez's form today.
1: It's like he just, he knew there was no chance whatsoever, didn't he? Yeah, uh, he, he tried. There's... There's little hope and you need the luck on your side. and he, he didn't perform well enough or get any luck when, yeah, he had maybe the chance to, to, to capitalize on it. So I was just going to ask is, is that it? Sam said it earlier. Is that it championship over? Uh, I think he's the king of the streets supposedly. And we've had what five out of six as these races are, are street races and he's 39 points behind. So yeah. So I was thinking this, when we knew Perez was starting
3: in last, and you've got Max Verstappen in Q3, brushing the walls and still going absolutely at it, even though he's potentially the only red Bull left, right? I thought, this is just him cementing the reason that he is the number one driver, and he could still deliver a pole when maybe he should be taking it a bit more easy as a teammate, right? Let's just make sure we get some points. But no, Max is still going absolutely flat out, risking everything, and... That's just a middle finger to Perez as far as I can see it. I mean, Abby, I'm interested to hear what you think, but I think, yeah, it's well and truly game over for Perez. Max has laid it down. Clearly, I'm taking this.
2: Well, I'd like to say that I disagree and that Perez still has a chance for the championship. But no, it's clear he was completely off form this weekend, which is a shame because I was expecting like an inter-team battle within Red Bull of Verstappen and Perez to be one of the highlights of the season. But no, out of those two, Verstappen definitely has the championship. I think the only contender now who could potentially go against Verstappen would be Alonso. But even then, I feel like Verstappen is just going to... I mean, like you said, Oli, he was hitting the barriers. He still managed to get pole, still won the race, amazing in the wet. It's just Max Verstappen. He's going to have it, unfortunately. Well... He's going to have it. Not unfortunately. Ooh, the
3: agenda. <laughs> what you meant is that it's almost signed, oh, right. sealed, delivered. Unfortunately.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. almost predictable, which does make it a bit boring when there isn't that battle at the front. So hopefully mm. Alonso can bring something. But no, the Stappen will likely be a three-time world champion. I mean, I
3: could see Perez still winning a race, uh, you know, this season, another one. But I can't see Alonso. Yeah. If Alonso had a chance of winning a race, it was this weekend, right, against the two Red Bulls.
0: But also Alonso, if he has a chance of winning a race, I think team mistakes and you know strategy calls aside, he will take it. Sergio Perez, you never, you can't guarantee that he will. And I mean, first of all, I'd love to see Fernando Alonso in a Red Bull. But God, can you imagine that fight? Yeah, because I think that he would. Really cool. He really does, you know, the you. Know, a fight against conventional wisdom saying that into your forties, you're not going to be able to fight against someone who's in their mid twenties. He absolutely would be able to as far as I'm concerned. But I think oftentimes when there's a difference between teammates, it's not that the, the second teammate can't do everything that the first teammate can. It's that they can't do it as often or as consistently. But you look at Max Verstappen's say qualifying this weekend or yeah, a few times this season where he's just been right on the knife edge I don't think Sergio Perez can do that I think there are things that Max Verstappen does that Sergio Perez cannot do and I think that's a rarity and I don't think that's an insult to Sergio Perez I think that this is just how good Max Verstappen is and that's why I think the title fight is over not because Sergio Perez can't perform as he needs to, I think, I think Verstappen
3: will just walk away with it anyway. I think Miami shows us that, right? (laughs) Surely, I mean, Max still won it when he just shouldn't have won that. He should have, you know, potentially finished second, but he still beat his teammate. It was just, here, I'm Max Verstappen and I don't, it doesn't matter where I, where I start the race. I'm still going to win it against my teammate in the same car. But what I, what I have found interesting is looking at the championship standings now, um, it's Mercedes knocking on the door of Aston Martin. And is that, can we put that down to stroll? That's a question I wanted, wanted to debate. Uh, Yeah.
1: (laughs) I'm not sure there is much of a debate about it. If, if Lance was a lot closer to Fernando's level of performance in these first six races, he's, he's been there or thereabouts and he's had a bit of bad luck as well, but yeah, you can't argue with that points tally. Yeah. uh, Aston should be a clear second in, in terms of the quality of the car.
0: Given the injury that Lance Stroll sustained before the start of the season, I'm not 100% confident that he is
1: completely race fit. Yeah, I'd agree with that. He was so much closer to Seb and I don't think Fernando should be that much further ahead, having just come into the team as well. Yes, but I think that second half of the
0: season, Seb is a better comparison to Alonso. True. And I think then there was more of a delta at that point. But even still, if you've got a Fernando Alonso who's consistently able to get podiums, realistically, in terms of we're talking about ceilings, you want Stroll at least kind of getting P5 on a consistent basis. And that's the thing. When something goes wrong for Aston Martin, you know which side of the garage is going to go wrong. And that's what is causing the issue now. Is that they need to? They're fighting with one hand tied behind their back, essentially, which isn't unusual in F one. We often see that. But the problem is, is that obviously Lance Stroll's dad owns the team, so they mm. they probably are looking at their situation and going, "Okay, well, in an ideal situation, you know, private conversations behind closed doors, mm. this is what we would do." But that's not an option. So what else can we do? And they're kind of down a, a cul-de-sac with that. They need to, they need Lance Stroll to improve. And to his credit, I think Fernando Alonso is the person to do that because this is a very different Fernando Alonso that we, than we saw five years ago to the point that Honda have even recognised that and saying, like, yeah, we'd work with him. So, yeah, I think it's... Uh, the best situation for Lance Stroll to be in is alongside Fernando Alonso, and I think it will take some time, but I do think he can get there because he is quick. And I think this weekend was, and especially today, was a misnomer in the sense that Lance Stroll is very, very good in the wet, and he didn't show that today.
3: Yeah, I just find it—I find it crazy that Mercedes are one point away from Aston Martin now. When you think about they're about potentially about to take second place in the championship, it just—it it just shows that consistency gets you the points, right? And George and Lewis are doing exactly what they're there to do and the best that they can in what's not a great car, but a few upgrades and that's an easy second place now. And
0: yeah, absolutely, and, and very much in the kind of fashion of uh, a few years ago when Tottenham Hotspur came third in the two-horse race. Uh, I think it was the year that Leicester won the league um, <laughs> yeah. I think this conversation about Aston Martin Mercedes we're having right now actually says the most about Ferrari <laughs> <laughs> Like, I, I don't want to bring it, bring it back to them but Ferrari should be the second best team in F1 at the moment given that Mercedes are basically excuse my language dicked around with the concept that doesn't work for 18 months why of why Ferrari not comfortably second is yeah quite it
3: is it is the question that needs answering isn't it uh at over at ferrari hq but um to wrap up it was max verstappen who won the race alonso in second with ocon uh finishing off the podium in third hamilton and russell fourth and fifth leclerc in sixth gasly seventh Sainz eighth norris ninth And Piastri in 10th, why was that such a tongue twister of an order to finish off? My God, (laughs) was it just me?
1: Without saying it, I can tell you. I I think we all need to have a go.
3: (laughs) Well, let's not. Um, Let's do our drivers of the day. Um, I'm going to start today because I don't, I never start. So I'm going to go for Ocon. I thought he was fantastic and well-deserved driver of the day. Um, You've started because there's no other correct (laughs) answer. (laughs) I know, and I always have to pick some, someone who's like f- finished near the back by the time you guys have done it. Who actually won the uh, official drive of
0: the day? Because I remember towards the end Ocon. of the race, they showed the Ocon. graphic, and it was Ocon yeah. on 19%, yeah. Alonso on, I think, 18 and then Verstappen on 17 or some yeah, variation. Ocon, yeah. They showed
1: it a second time, and it was still really close, and they'd all just switched out. The order has switched a bit, but yeah, it Ooh. ended up as Ocon.
3: Well, oh, good. Then you see, you've got other options. Um, Sam, who would you give it to? um uh, do, do i do i go full abby
0: on this and say george russell and then <laughs> abby go
1: oh i was going to go george russell uh, <laughs> no um, one is giving it to george today no he got a freebie in the weather and then stuck it in a uh, escape road so
3: um i'm going to go with I actually thought there was a clear one for you, Sam, based on the conversation we've had, but maybe not.
0: No, 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 not P3. Um
3: I'm going to go Max Verstappen. Okay, Abby?
2: Well, I was going to go Ocon, and then I was going to go Max, but you two have taken those options. This is a tough one.
3: So? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Alonso, Because, yes, they messed up by putting him on Slick's And then, like, straight away onto wet. But he managed to complete the race, keep it clean, was really fast. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So yeah, I, mean, I purposely I mean i've left <laughs> i've left James to the end just to get yeah, yeah. this reaction that I'm now
1: getting where he's like, well, who the hell else am I going to choose? We were just yeah, was, talking about how it was 19, 18, and 17 percent. There are clearly three options <laughs> for this.
0: I, I love just watching James. His kind of the the second shoot dropping or the you know kind of real <laughs> inevitable you know Abby. Like, come Alonzo. on, just pick James doesn't so yeah. get it on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah <it's> great. <laughs> I, I assume yeah. you spent the last however long, James, uh, thinking of a fourth driver. But anyway, I'd be well, sort of I'll be sorry.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I'll just go for the driver in force and pick Lewis because I'm not convinced he did hit the wall. Okay, um, Abby, would you like to do the championship standings for us, please?
2: Yes, so obviously Red Bull are in first, Aston Martin are in second on 120 points, Mercedes third with 119, Ferrari are then in fourth ahead of Alpine in fifth, McLaren are in sixth, Haas are in seventh, Alfa Romeo are in eighth, Alfa in ninth and Williams are in tenth.
3: And for the drivers?
2: Max Verstappen is leading on 144 points, Perez is still in second, Alonso is in third, Hamilton in fourth, Russell fifth, Sainz sixth, Leclerc seventh, Stroll eighth, and then it is Ocon and Gasly rounding out the top 10.
3: Thank you very much, Abby. So that was our review of the Monaco Grand Prix weekend. Now, don't forget if you've been listening out to our code word, we have already said it. Uh, That's for your chance to win the George Russell prize this week worth over 200 pounds. So make sure you go back and listen to it if you've missed it. But until next week where we go to the Spanish Grand Prix we will have news from the
1: nerds the midweek news show but that's all for now James thank you very much thanks oh, he's, he's done one news show and he's almost doing the intro verbatim in the, the cut to the race podcast uh, yes uh, we'll be back for that at some point during the week Abby thank you very much
2: thank you for having me
3: and Sam it's been a blast <laughs> very much enjoyed it Good stuff. Well, we'll be back uh, for the Spanish Grand Prix review. But until then, goodbye. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go, go. Sports Social Podcast Network.